In need of great talent for your business, but short on time like all of us? Well, you don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find the perfect hire. You just need the right tools, smarter tools. I'm talking about Zip Recruiter. With Zip Recruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with one Click and rest easy knowing your job is being seen by the right candidates. Then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you receive the best possible matches. And that is why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter does not depend on the right candidate finding you. It finds them. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire? Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results right now. Listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free, F-R-E-E. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Nancy Grace, ZipRecruiter.com slash Nancy Grace. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Nancy Grace. Thank you, ZipRecruiter. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph, Channel 132. 55-year-old Brian Peck initially called 911 and said his mom, 76-year-old Gail Peck, disappeared while walking her dog. He was his mother's only child, and he lived in her basement. After being confronted with evidence by police, prosecutors say Peck admitted, I put her in the bathtub and hacked her up. He's now accused of killing her. The defendant said that on Wednesday, he drove the bags that contained her head and arms to Montrose Harbor and threw those bags into Lake Michigan. Police divers searched Lake Michigan near Foster looking for the cut-up remains of 76-year-old Gail Peck. The defendant said that his mother was furious that he was playing his music so loud. Did a man murder his mother because she told him his music was too loud? Now, granted, it was Jimi Hendrix, so I understand why he needed it cranked up. But murdering your mom when she says your music is too loud? Joining me right now is Alan Duke, Dr. Daniel Bober, forensic psychiatrist, and Joseph Scott Morgan, forensics expert. Alan, what happened? Did I miss something? 55-year-old Brian Peck lived with his mom in Elgin, Illinois, and it, uh, it, she went missing, and there was a big mystery about it. And so they were looking all over the place for her. He said that she just went out walking the dog. The dog came back, and no mom. Well, the investigation ensued. They found a security camera video and everything, and they figured out exactly what happened, Nancy, and you will not believe what they figured out. Well, let me ask you a question. How did they figure it out from security cameras? I, I don't understand. If the dog was out wandering around by itself, how did they see anything on surveillance video that helped them figure it out other than the dog walking story was a lie? Well, they figured something was weird because this guy, Brian Peck, he's 55. His mom is uh, 76. And they just didn't think it added up. So they started looking at bank account records and they started looking, uh, following his footsteps. 
And they found where he went to a store and purchased luggage. Well, he wasn't going to make a trip, and they didn't know where that luggage was. So what did he buy luggage for in the hours after his mother disappeared? Wow. I'm just having a hard time taking it in. Dr. Daniel Bober, boy, do I need a shrink on this. Um, I'm just trying to get my mind around it. Angered after he was told he was playing his Jimi Hendrix music too loudly. Allegedly, this guy kills his mom, dismembers her body, and disposes of her remains along Chicago's lakefront. And he did it over two days. He put the body parts in bags and nearly purchased luggage. Okay, um, so I'm sure they've got it on surveillance video of him buying the luggage. They always do. Uh, Here's my first question, Dr. Daniel Bober. And men, people accuse me of being a man hater. That is not true. I just hate men that commit felonies. Okay, now, why is it you never read about a girl or a woman murdering her mother because his music, her music was too loud? Or going off because the Christmas tree blinked wrong? I mean, what is it about men? I mean, what, what no offense. Because I know you are one of the species, but what is wrong with men? Nancy. What? Men are, Nancy, <laughs> men are more aggressive by nature, more testosterone. But there's already a red flag in this case. Wait, are you somehow old. blaming this on their peepees? Okay, is that what I'm hearing? It's about the testosterone? Because I and the rest of the women in this country don't agree. It's something about impulse control? Yeah. I want to mow down a lot of people on the highway, but I don't do it. I don't even shoot a bird for Pete's sake because the children are watching. I control it. I suppress my demons. Why can't men do it? What's wrong with them? And another thing, why can't they even pick up their underwear? That's another good question, but I'll deal with that later. Let's deal with the homicide first. Nancy, there's there's clearly a red flag in this case. A 55-year-old male living with his mother, his 76-year-old mother. So he's either there for two reasons, either to take care of her, which it doesn't seem like that's clearly not the reason, and or he's suffering from some form of chronic mental illness and social drift where he was never able out to get out of the home and build his own life and live independently. So that, to me, is already a red flag. Um, but, you know, clearly the, the music playing loud is not the problem. It's the symptom of the problem. And the problem is most likely some form of chronic mental illness or and or substance use, which creates a situation where he has no impulse control, as you stated, low frustration tolerance. And he just went off and he did it and then tried to conceal the crime. I want to go through how the whole thing went down. But first to you, Joseph Scott Morgan, death investigator and professor of forensics at Jacksonville State University. Joe Scott, I I mean, just the thought. I'm afraid to even hug my mom too tight because she's so frail. And P.S., I live with my mother, so I don't know what that says about me, Bober. But um, to think, I mean, how do you get the frame of mind that you kill your mom, which is a very rare crime, uh, matricide, a slang term for it, or parenticide, also slang. Um, and then you have the mindset that you can dismember her body, put your mom's body parts. I, I just don't even want to even say those words in the same sentence. 
into plastic bags and then into newly purchased luggage. Help me out, Joe Scott. Dismemberment of a human body is not an easy thing to accomplish, Nancy, particularly when you're, you've never done it. And then you're standing over the remains of your mother attempting to do this with rudimentary tools by surgical standards. Uh, from what I'm understanding, uh, this fellow, they're characterizing it as a handsaw. Now, that can be any number of things. You know, the first thing I think most people think of is like a carpentry saw. Uh, and also uh, the word hatchet has been uh, has been used as well. You're talking about someone that would utilize uh, these hand tools essentially to pull apart uh, their own mother and uh, to dispose of the remains uh, in, in bags, place them in luggage, this sort of thing. It's not an easy undertaking when you have no experience at butchering. It takes time. You have to have a location that's isolated. And then from a forensic standpoint, you have to be able to clean up. This is going to create an incredible mess. I can only imagine that the police department is going to have a, what we refer to as an evidence-rich environment, particularly with blood, uh, blood transfer, blood spatter, uh, all of these sorts of things. So uh, it's very difficult in order to facilitate this. And then, you know, the doctor could, could address this more, but this kind of overarching uh, psychological theme of having to take apart this person that has taken care of you throughout your life and um, and you can just kind of mechanically go about doing it. This guy, he planned this. Uh, he went out and he purchased these items in order to stow her body. Uh, there's even one report that he tried to fit her into the refrigerator, which I found very curious, um, uh, in order to store her in there. And he disabled the refrigerator because he was using a hatchet uh, to take the, the, the shells out of the refrigerator. Wait a minute, Joe Scott. Did you just say he tried to remove the shelves of the refrigerator so he could fit his mother in there? Yeah, and that's that's disturbing. Why would you want to put your mother in the refrigerator? Uh, why would you buy bags at the same time? Uh, I'm thinking I'm thinking that more than likely he had uh, planned this to a great degree, uh, and in order to to try to put the police off, maybe maybe he was trying to slow down the rate of decomposition by putting her in the refrigerator and then masking this. I've seen this in other cases involving dismemberment, uh, and uh, so no one really knows. It's like he was organized on one side, but then when he gets in the middle of this thing it becomes very frenetic and disorganized wow that was quite a mouthful uh joseph scott morgan i'm just trying to digest the whole thing to dr daniel bober forensic psychiatrist i'm thinking about what joseph scott morgan is telling me and the time and the energy and the planning uh, that this guy went through whether or not the initial shooting of his mom or the killing of his mom occurred on impulse. Then there was the cover-up, the dismembering of the body, the cleaning up, the trying to change the refrigerator shelves, the hours and hours it would take to dismember the body, going and getting plastic bags, going and getting suitcases. I mean, how does the human mind work during this very long and arduous process, Dr. Bober. Essentially, Nancy, you essentially have to disconnect yourself from your emotions. It's really the only way uh, you can operate in this type of a situation. You're basically on automatic pilot. 
we don't know the history of this individual in terms of what his relationship was like with his mother, but we know that he was living with her. So there had to be some kind of an intimate, close relationship. But the only way to be able to do something like that is to completely cut yourself off emotionally uh, and focus on the task at hand. Whether this was a crime of impulse or maybe it was something that was brewing in his mind for a long time and this was something that just sort of put him over the top is hard to know. But he certainly tried to uh, spend a lot of time concealing it after the fact. Alan Duke, what do we know about him specifically and about his relationship with his mother, if anything? Oh, we do know some things that are coming out now in the documents. Not only does he have six felony convictions, that's aggravated battery, identity theft, computer fraud, possession of a stolen vehicle, theft by deception, but he also was, he spent 100 days in jail in 2016. That was last year for punching his mother in her face, trying to choke her. He was locked up for 100 days, given two years probation. When she visited him in jail, she told him, quote, that he crossed the line when he became violent with me, that he was no longer my son, and I never want to have contact with him again. That's according to new court documents. So she tried. I'm not sure what happened after that, but she apparently tried. Poor thing. I feel so bad for her. I'm looking at a picture of her smiling and I also learned that she had spinal fusion surgery. And so she was even more frail than she looked. Her body parts were found in duffel bags by a fisherman and divers at a Lincoln Park lagoon. So far, we've only found the pants and the torso of two of the legs. Apparently, Part of the body was disposed at Montrose Harbor, where police were investigating on Tuesday. We know that he pled guilty to a domestic battery and got a jail sentence. That was when he threatened to kill his mother. They had shared that home together in Oak Brook for some time, but according to Alan Duke and in his investigation, she had asked, basically told him to get out after the last time he attacked her. I wonder how everything went sideways. I know this, Dr. Bober, and I've only learned this, you know, in the last 10 years. There is nothing like a mother's love. You know, you, you think you're in love. You think you've met Mr. Right. You think you love this and that. When you have children, it is the closest thing I've ever seen to unconditional love, ever. So, she took him back, Dr. Bober. She let him move back in. It's interesting you say that, Nancy. Uh, there's a book by Eric Fromm uh, that's called The Art of Loving. And in that book, he says that the only truest form of love is the love between a mother and a child. So that is very true. And I think ma the maternal instincts are so strong to protect that even in the face of him being just absolutely horrific and predatory to her, she still took him back. Almost in a, uh, in a sense, a type of uh, domestic violence relationship where you keep making excuses for the person and you keep taking them back. What we know right now is that this very loving mother is dead. We know that he lied about where she was, that she had gone out to walk the dog and never came back. Brian Peck is being held right now, held without bail. And if you take a look at this mom... She's just the, the cutest little thing. A 76-year-old mother. 
Gail Peck, no longer with us. Alan Duke, it wasn't just uh, threats and a physical confrontation. There was also the siphoning and the using of all the money she had saved up over time. What do we know? Nancy, Brian Peck was living off his 76-year-old mother. Police say that he lived in the basement of her Elgin, Illinois house, but he was not her major caregiver. As Dr. Bober pointed out, there are only two reasons for a 55-year-old man to be living with his mom. One, he's a freeloader who won't take care of himself. The other is he's there to take care of her. But police say Brian Peck was not a major caregiver of his mom, so that leads the freeloader theory. In fact, prosecutor Maria McCarthy says that Peck transferred $4,000 from his mother's savings account to her checking account after she disappeared, and he apparently used that money to buy the luggage in which he stuffed her dismembered body in and tossed it into a lagoon. And in court, Peck told the judge that he had no money now, and so he requested a public defender be appointed as his lawyer. And again, he is not given a bond, so he's in jail. Prosecutor McCarthy also said Peck, who was his mother's only child, was a failed businessman. She said he operated a financial business until about two years ago. Now let's hear more of what the prosecutor told reporters about Peck and what he told investigators. The defendant said that his mother was furious that he was playing his music so loud. The defendant said that the victim told him that she wanted him to leave. The defendant said that he knocked the victim's leg out from under her and stomped on her head and neck. The defendant is six foot one and 260 pounds, and the victim was five foot four and 140 pounds. The defendant said that on Wednesday, he drove the bags that contained her head and arms to Montrose Harbor and threw those bags into Lake Michigan. The defendant said that the next day, he purchased the suitcase and the duffel bag, put her torso and legs into those items, drove down to Chicago, and threw them into the water near Diversity Harbor. I-pass records from I-90 Expressway corroborate the defendant's movements. Let's also listen to this short statement that the Elgin police chief put on the police Facebook page after the son was arrested. On Friday afternoon, Brian Peck reported to the Elgin Police Department that his mother went for a walk and never returned home. This started a massive search for Gail Peck. Members of the Elgin Police Department were on foot and in ATVs. Members of the community came out to assist us. We also had assets in the air from drones to helicopters. Over the course of the next few days, detectives determined that Brian Peck was ultimately responsible for killing his mother and discarding her body, and that the remains found in the Chicago Lagoon were that of Gail Peck. Brian Peck will be in bond call this morning, charged with first-degree murder, premeditation, first-degree murder, great probability of bodily harm, and concealment of a homicide. It was clear to us from the very beginning, in talking with family and friends, that Gail Peck was loved by all that she knew. The members of the Elgin Police Department and the Elgin community send our thoughts and prayers to the family of Gail Peck. And now we head across the country, and the story of a man who allegedly murders his wife because he, quote, wants to date other people. But before I take you there, I want to thank our partner today, making our program possible. It's 
LegalZoom. As a business manager, you know how important it is to keep moving forward. But so many things pop up to take your time and focus away from growing your business. When it comes to renewing contracts, registering trademarks, staying current on fees, permits, taxes, hiring, LegalZoom.com can simplify your life. LegalZoom was created 16 years ago by the brightest minds in law and technology. They have already helped over 2 million business owners easily and affordably navigate the legal system with confidence. Best part, you don't have to worry about an attorney's billable hours stacking up because LegalZoom is not a law firm. Instead, you get advice you need to answer your business questions at fixed rates through LegalZoom's nationwide network of independent lawyers. Independent lawyers, not a law firm, independent lawyers. So take pressure off yourself. Go to LegalZoom.com now to take care of business before the year winds down. For special savings, enter code NANCY, N-A-N-C-Y, in the referral box at checkout. Code NANCY equals special savings only at LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom.com. Thank you for what you're doing for business owners across America and for being our partner today on Sirius XM 132. Did a stock trader murder his wife? So he could, quote, date other people? Okay, let that sink in just a moment. Did a stockbroker murder his wife so he could date other people? You know what? Just when you think you've heard it all, you find out you haven't, and not in a good way. I'm talking about 44-year-old Roderick Kovlin, who allegedly killed his wife, She is found, her body is found anyway, in the bathtub, despite having dry clothes on. When police arrive to their posh apartment, they find her with dry clothes on but dead in the bathtub. And now a motive emerges. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thanks for being with us. Straight out to Larry Mayer, Crime Stories investigative reporter, joining me along with Emmy Award-winning reporter Art Harris and psychologist Dr. Chloe Carmichael. Larry, what happened? How did she end up dead in the bathtub but with dry clothes on? Police say that Rod Kovlin has changed his story about what happened on the day that his wife, Shelley Danishevsky, died. Now, according to one newspaper account, a law enforcement source says this case sounds like an episode of the show, Law and Order, in that Kovlin, who was a failed stockbroker and was trying to make a living playing backgammon. Okay, wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, right there. You know, Alan Duke, are you there? Yes, I am, Alan Duke, if my husband marched in and said that he was getting rid of his business so he could be a professional backgammon player. (laughs) I would change the locks so fast his head would spin, okay? Did I hear that right, Larry Mayer, that he gave up being a stockbroker to be a professional backgammon player? That's true. He had also given up on the marriage. He had actually moved out of the family apartment 
uh, on the Upper West Side of New York and moved across the hall into another apartment. The divorce had already started, and uh, a lawyer who was involved in it has characterized it as a bitter proceeding that involved a lot of a lot of inflammatory back and forth over custody of the the couple's two children. Tell me about the children. Whoa, 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 whoa. One thing at a time. Okay. Tell me about the children. The children were both uh, young at the at the time. They were uh, nine and twelve, a daughter and a son. And uh, the nine-year-old daughter found her mother's body in the bathtub and ran or called her father, who came across the hall to uh, retrieve. Okay, hold on. Let me. I'm trying to take it, pick it apart by what you're saying. Okay, Dr. Chloe Carmichael. It's bad enough when you lose a parent. I mean, I lost my father just recently, and it, 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 I'm still upset about it. But this nine-year-old little girl finds her mother's dead body. I mean, she's never going to forget that. No, absolutely not. Uh, the, the horror and the shock, it's just hard to even fathom. And then when we layer on top of that that her father, who is supposed to be her protector, the protector of her and of her mother, could possibly have actually been responsible. It can be really morally disorienting, to say the least. I just I just can't imagine going through life that way, remembering that moment that you walk in and you see your mom dead. No, I mean, at first, you know, the little girl might think that, um, you know, it was a game or something like that. And probably, you know, slowly she'd start to realize that something was, was really terribly wrong. It, you're right, Nancy. It would absolutely be a, a lifelong issue where she would probably need a lot of therapy. So, Art, what, what do you know? Art Harris with me, uh, Emmy Award-winning journalist. Well, is it true that the wife, even, even though he's divorcing her, why not just let the divorce run its course, Art Harris? His well, Nancy, love was, life was, was so he, hampered he, by having an ex-wife, he had to kill her? He was under a TikTok uh, deadline because she was going to a lawyer the next day to cut him out of her will. That would have meant that the several million dollars on the table that he is scheduled to inherit, uh, you know, was going to be gone. So he's well, wait a, a minute. Well, well, art, 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 art. You're married, right? I, I am. At least last time I checked, Nancy. Now, what man in his right ma- mind would think that after he asks for a divorce, he gets to have the wife's inheritance? I mean, he's the one that wants to date other people. He's the one that moves out. He's the one that wants a divorce. So he wants the divorce and he wants half of her estate when she dies. Yeah, am wants, I are you, am I understanding correctly, Art? Yeah, he wants to have his backgammon and eat it too, and you know he's a backgammon player uh, by by choice, and uh, you know obviously he uh, was running short on cash and and uh, did not did not want uh, to be cut out of anything. So uh, he sounds like you. a freeloader to me, because well, Alan I mean, Alan, come on, the man quits his job, says he'd rather play backgammon, moves into a very expensive apartment across the hall from their current apartment, wants a divorce because he wants to, quote, date other people and wants half of her estate when she dies. I mean, he's clearly already mooching off her like nobody's business. And now she's dead in the bathtub with dry clothes on, Alan? Yeah, I think an extreme midlife crisis going on here. 
I, I can't understand it. But but he was very good at backgammon. That's that's to his credit. You know what? I don't think this is a time for joking, Alan Duke, although I pr- appreciate your sardonic sense of humor at all times. But zip it! Okay, back to you, Larry. What, do, what else do we know? The problems started uh, uh, almost immediately after Shelley Danishevsky's death when her parents refused to allow an autopsy. Now, they are Orthodox Jewish, and as a result, the faith does not permit autopsy. It took uh, uh, investigators Okay, about let me understand months. something. Hold on just a moment. Hold on. Art, why is that? Why can't there be an autopsy? As a, a bad Jew uh, who has done a little bit... Uh, you know, of studying way back. It goes back to, to ancient times uh, when it was not believed you should cut on a body after uh, after a death. Uh, and it's uh, it's an old Orthodox tradition, uh, as is the, the thing that she was supposed to, to quote, get um, a Jewish divorce under Orthodox rules. Uh, a wife has to get permission for a, a divorce. And uh, I think he, he protested that for quite a while. Wait, I thought he was the one that wanted to date other people, Art. How am I getting my wires crossed? Well, he, he wanted to have it all. Well, wait, wait, wait. I think I understand it. He wants to date other people and stay married and continue sucking yeah. the wealth out of her estate like a tick. Is that right? She was very successful as a banker, Nancy, and uh, had amassed uh, apparently a nice nest egg. Uh, he didn't want to give that up, but he wanted to play backgammon, too, and wanted to be uh, kept uh, you know, as a kept man. So uh, mm. this is a little mm. uh, reverse of the stereotype. Mm. Take a look at the picture of Shelly right now. Shelly Danishevsky. I think she looks like Reese Witherspoon. Do, do you see the picture of her with wearing the bangs? She's so cute and so full of life. Very pretty. The mother of his children. He wants to stay married to her then. I thought he wanted to divorce her because he wanted to date other people. So he wants to date other people. She wants to divorce. And then lo and behold, just before she changes her will, I guess that would have ended his backgammon day, gaming days. She ends up dead in the bathtub. Now, Larry Mayer, crime online investigative reporter. So you were saying that because of her religion, the, her parents did not want an autopsy done. So, okay, then what happens? Right. It took investigators about three months to convince them that there was evidence suggesting that perhaps foul play was involved. And then that at that point, their parents, the, Dan, uh, the Danishevskys, gave permission for her body to be exhumed and for an autopsy to be performed. And during that autopsy, the coroner found a broken bone in her neck which suggested to him that the, the, this was a case of murder, not a case of an accidental fall. Uh, one doesn't generally break that bone when falling. It's usually uh, a sign of strangulation or, or some sort of trauma to the throat. Well, it was very convenient to psychologist Dr. Chloe Carmichael that when police arrived on the scene, he, the husband, already had an explanation. He says, quote, she was trying to grab something, a piece of wood broke, and she landed in the bath, bathtub and hit her head. He had it all explained for the police when they got there, Dr. Chloe. Yes, he certainly did. It sounds like he put a lot of cognitive energy into creating a narrative, um, and he probably understood that an autopsy would be unlikely because obviously he was familiar with this, with this culture, and so he was probably feeling very powerful um, as if he could really control and totally objectify 
um, and completely control the situation. I'm so glad that they did ultimately persuade the family to do an autopsy. Well, catch this. Uh, Art Harris, it was right down to the wire because the husband, Kovlin, uh, this has been going on for some time, just two months before he was set to inherit her half of her $4 million fortune that she had amassed from her own hard work, just two months away from getting her fortune, cops close in on him and he is he gets, charged with he what, gets, what? He gets off the train uh, in Scarsdale, I guess, to go see his, his kids, their kids, uh, and he's quite surprised that he is arrested. Uh, and suddenly, with the clock ticking, uh, when uh, I guess the deal that was made, if he was not arrested or charged uh, for six years after she died, he would get this money. So two months to go, Nancy. And he was looking at a nice uh, either a Hanukkah or a Christmas uh, gift, which he, did, he has not gotten and will not get. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Larry Mayer, Crime Online investigative reporter, isn't it true that his then-girlfriend goes to police and gives them what they need to indict him on charges? She says he, quote, made statements implicating himself in his wife's murder. Do we have any idea what he said, Larry? Uh, I have not seen uh, an explicit report of what she gave to investigators, but it was one of his girlfriends, uh, identified perhaps as his chief girlfriend, and prosecutors say... Wait a minute, Larry, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you just say this was his chief girlfriend? Are there other girlfriends? There were at the time at the time of his wife's death. It. I don't understand say it. He had multiple girlfriends. Doctor Chloe, what woman in her right mind wants a man that a quits his job to live off of his wife's income, b quits a lucrative job in order to be a backgammon player, and then has multiple girlfriends? Why would you want that in your life? Well, Nancy, that's an interesting question. A lot of times, actually, a sociopath can initially come across as very charming and very charismatic. Um, You know, obviously, this man was able to convince his wife to marry him in the first place. So I would be curious about what kind of underlying sociopathy uh, is really going on there. And, you know, to your point, why would a woman be drawn to that? Um, Again, a man like this oftentimes can come across at first like a knight in shining armor, very dazzling, larger than life. Also, I don't know this woman, the chief girlfriend's personal background, but if this man was presenting himself as a man with considerable financial resources, that might have been very dazzling and almost blinding to her. However, it's uh, certainly to her credit that once she realized that the situation was not what it seemed, that she went right to the authorities, if that's what happened. Art Harris, what do you know about another scheme he allegedly was involved in? And that was trying to marry his daughter off to, quote, a Mexican man. I don't know who the man is. In an attempt to collect his daughter's part of the inheritance when she was just 13 years old. Each of the children would get the other half of the money which is a million dollar each is two million bucks. So he was trying to marry his daughter off to some guy in an effort to get her money when she's just 13. Nancy, he was a schemer and he's probably, he was trying to uh, get a little advance on his, uh, his crime in the making. Uh, you know, this is someone who, 
who was obviously devious and had every angle figured out, or at least so he thought, but he was not as smart as he thought. Oh, I, I just don't understand how he had so many schemes going at one time in that one brain of his. Back to you, Larry. Larry Mayer joining us. What more do we know? Well, uh, I, one thing I wanted to point out is that there is a way to make money playing backgammon. Uh, it was not entirely in jest when Alan pointed out that he was very good at backgammon. He is considered one of the best backgammon players in New York. And backgammon as a game comes with a gambling cube as one of its basic, basic pieces of equipment called a doubling cube in which the bet on each game can double with each roll of the dice. So backgammon has been a gambling game for thousands of years. So yes, there is a way to do it. I'm not sure that he had discovered a way to make money at it yet. He was at that point still living on his wife's money. It's it's a it's considered a uh, a very uh, high high end high roller high society uh, gambling game favored by a lot of wealthy wealthy types wealthy men. And and what's the difference between this and the stock market which he which he was playing? Well, here you can control it a little more. You know, you have you're at least you've got the uh, uh, the little you know pieces of dice or whatever the, the pieces are that uh, uh, and and you can calculate the odds of stock market. Uh, either uh, he's probably a an inside uh, trader, insider information type guy, uh, and he liked he liked more control. If 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 he controlled the crime scene, he controlled the cops' uh, information. He's going to try to control every aspect of uh, uh, this uh, this evil. Okay, guys, to Larry Mayer and Art Harris, I appreciate the two of you schooling me in backgammon. But in my mind, it's just like every other gambling scenario because that's what he was doing. This is not, as you said, you have the the chance roll in backgammon which is the gambling aspect. Uh, as, as a former prosecutor, we prosecuted everything from murder to arson to RICO to gambling that ended up in murder. So in my mind, you may call it uh, an intellectual, wealthy pursuit, backgammon, but in my mind, it's gambling, just like everything else. And uh, it, you can put perfume on the pig all you want to. But it still smells. You know, guys, I want to pause and thank our partners today, making our program possible. Everybody knows how much I love our family dog, Fat Boy, street name Nitro. And I'm always on the lookout for fun things to do with Fat Boy. Well, I found a new collar I want to tell you about, and it is called Link AKC. And it's a lot more than just a collar. It's backed by the American Kennel Club. The Link AKC collar is a GPS locator, a fitness activity tracker, and a smartphone app all rolled into one. Now, I love the locator because you always know where your dog is. I don't have to worry, did Fat Boy jump over the fence? Is he running down the street chasing a car or being chased by a car? I know exactly where he is at all times right there on the app. It's total peace of mind. Now, get this. It's a dog activity and wellness tracker. Laugh if you want. It doesn't matter how old your dog is or what kind of shape the dog is in, whether it's a pure breed or a mixed mutt-like fat boy. Link AKC shows the exact amount of activity every single dog needs. It's easy to set up. 
There are sizes for every dog, and it's super comfy. I mean, Fat Boy's a little pound puppy, and he is in hog heaven with this fancy collar. Link AKC looks great on Fat Boy. Check him out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to see the pictures we posted. Keep your dog safe, happy, and healthy. It got easier with a special offer from Link AKC. Go to linkakc.com, use code NANCY to save a full 30% on your order with free shipping. Code NANCY, 30% off your order, free shipping at linkakc.com. Linkakc.com. Linkakc.com, thank you. So back to the murder after our backgammon tutorial. You know, I, I think I had it wrong. He, the daughter comes in and finds mommy submerged in the bathtub. She, her body was not dry. His body was dry, which says to me, Dr. Chloe, he didn't try to get her out of the bathtub and save her. Well, of course not. Yeah, it certainly sounds like um, almost like some kind of a, a fantasy of his, um, you know, with, with his gambling, as you were discussing, and his propensity for risk-taking and seeing himself as, as kind of an omnipotent character with a, a lot of grandiose fantasies about himself, um, almost like this was some kind of a James Bond scenario that he had put together in mind, you know, with, with his poor wife as the victim. You know, I will give you this, Larry and Art. He was a pro. He even helped found the U.S. Backgammon Federation. Now, what is that? I'll be honest. I don't know about the U.S. Backgammon Federation or what it stands for or what it means that you're a co-founder of it. But you are right about that, Larry. He was well, well rooted in it. I just wonder if he was making any money off of it or was he still leeching off of her, Larry? Well, as far as I know, he was still in hopes of collecting at least part of her estate when he was arrested. As Art mentioned, he had a deadline. He was two months away from collecting $2 million from her estate uh, when he was picked up at the train station in Scarsdale um, after blabbing to one of his girlfriends about it. So uh, as far as I can tell, he was still living on her um, income as a banker, uh, even even though she had been gone for some time. By that time, the trust funds had been set up for their children, so their children's inheritance had been protected at that point. And as soon as he was arrested, uh, her estate cut him off cold, and her parents sued him for wrongful death. Well, there's another issue. Did you know this, guys? Did you know that against the wishes of her family, he tried to take her body and have it buried in Israel and that the family went berserk, crying, quote, hysterically when they saw that he was planting the words beloved mother and wife on her gravestone. Now, how can you just take somebody, a, a child's mother's body to another country and bury it. Art Harris, how does that work? Nancy, he would have had to jump through a lot of hoops. I have not uh, heard of that. I mean, it's hard enough to get a, a dead American out of a foreign country back here to bury versus uh, uh, bringing someone or exporting a dead body to Israel. I, I, so I think that was not going to be an overnight happening. They, uh, they however, put, this, put a stop to that. 
And one one other point, Nancy, is that his lawyer claims that that didn't actually happen. I bet the family has a different story. You know, another issue, I find it interesting, Larry Mayer, that she was found dead on New Year's Eve. Um, I don't know the significance of that, but I really do think that that is significant. And did you know that it was originally ruled an accidental falling? Yes. The time, though, it would, it's not like it was at the time when people were out celebrating New Year's Eve. It happened at uh, fairly early in the morning. Police arrived at the apartment about 7.30 a.m. I think what threw the family over the edge was him tr- placing a stone marker on her grave that read beloved mother and wife, despite the fact that she had retain- or already obtained a get, a religious divorce from him, before she was killed. But he still had that on her, her gravestone uh, at West- Westchester County Cemetery. To me, you know, to Dr. Chloe Carmichael, doing that to her in death, you know, putting that marker there, even after she had a restraining order against him, she had gotten a religious divorce anyway, and was suing for civil divorce as well. And that Jewish tradition, you have to get, as Art told us, a get, uh, which is a religious divorce and a civil divorce. And he still did that, put that on her gravestone. I mean, that's awful, Dr. Chloe. Well, it certainly is. It's awful, and it really just reeks of somebody who is extremely calculating. It wouldn't surprise me if he wanted to get the body out of the United States so that he could prevent a scenario exactly like we're finally seeing now, which is that an autopsy was somehow finally done. Um, It sounds like a man who's very, very concerned with outward appearances, uh, who has a lot of fantasies about himself and power, and so if he could arrange for this burial to occur that actually somehow painted him as a victim, as a loving husband who had lost his beautiful wife, it really sounds like a calculated move to me. And Art, what do you know about the fact that in April he filed papers at Westchester County Surrogate Court asking to be named guardian of an Aetna life policy his wife had and that she had left it for Anna and Miles who um, were about nine and five at that time. Nancy, this is in keeping with someone who uh, is looking for every loophole and would even use the Jewish religion as a loophole to get a body out, uh, you know, the, uh, the get divorced to try to get around, all these things his wife had put in place. I mean, she was trying to get away from him. He was a violent guy, had just filed a restraining order against him. So, the clock was ticking. You asked about why New Year's Eve. He didn't have much much time uh, to pull this off. Uh, uh, he knew. And I think uh, that that led to uh, this cascading of uh, events. And probably he made he made this uh, mistake about about not getting wet uh, when he when he put the body uh, in the tub. So where does it stand right now, Larry Mayer? This case was in court a few weeks ago uh, for a uh, motions hearing. They're still in pretrial motions at this time, and uh, prosecutors uh, are still uh, putting together their case to take to uh, a trial court. Uh, I don't know that the trial date has been set yet. So the case is heading to trial to Art Harris' prediction. Uh, I think his... um... His backgammon game is about to come to an end, Nancy, unless he can find anybody in prison who, uh, who plays, and that's doubtful because uh, uh, it's a different, uh, a different social strata, shall we say. So uh, 
the the mother uh, was thrilled that uh, they finally made an arrest, made the charges. Her divorce lawyer, it did not surprise him, when he learned that his client had uh, had been killed, he immediately thought that the husband did it. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.